Alan, you totally look like the, the dad from Fresh Off the Boat. And that's 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 meant as a compliment. I think that dude is probably Randall Park. He's probably perceived as a very handsome person. So good for you, man. You mean Asian Jim from The Office? We've seen that. that yeah, a- Asian Jim from The Asian Office. Jim. Of course yeah. I did, man. <laughs> should I, Kim should I stop? Hello, my friends. Thank you for joining us for the PebCAC podcast. The information security show featuring some all-around good people. It is week 22 of 2023, and we are observing Memorial Day where we remember those who we lost in the service of our country. I'm Chris Louie, and it's finally warming up here in Northern California now that June is around the corner. With me, I have my co-host, Duke Silver, who's happy the Lakers were knocked out of the playoffs this year. I'm actually happy that the Warriors were knocked out as well, so... I only watched the NBA to hate on the, well, specifically LeBron or AKA LaFlop, and then uh, all the Golden State Warriors because that's just how it rolled. And uh, I don't know what you're talking about, about like getting warm. It's been, it was 104 degrees here yesterday. That's 40 degrees Celsius, I guess, if you're not from the United States. Or international listeners. Yeah. It is a balmy, sunny, and 61 degrees here in Northern California today. Wow. 96 here. Alan knows what I'm talking about. Yeah, I'm actually in Arizona with you as well. Yeah, 96 isn't too bad, but could be worse. We should be recording this in the same studio, but Chris is an idiot. I told Alan to look you up. <laughs> it's, it's That one's on Alan, not me. <laughs> yeah, that's my bad. I like to cast aspersions any chance I get. Always. Well, if you can't tell, no Glenn this week due to a scheduling conflict. But who we do have is our guest this week, my other Asian brother, Alan Lee. He is well-traveled and a fellow StarCraft fan. Alan, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, I'm Alan. Um, I work with Chris and Brian here at at Zscaler. And I am a big StarCraft fan, having played uh, collegiate StarCraft for my college uh, team and uh, from my school. And I look forward to the discussion today and seeing how I can uh, add some uh, you know, good background to the conversation. You know what's funny about you, Alan, is that you don't sound at all Asian. Like You sound like you like, probably own like two or three Chick-fil-A's, You're just like... <laughs> it's wild. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's like, oh, Chris's Asian friend. And then you get on here, you're, you you sound more white than me. <laughs> yeah. English is my second language, though. But uh, Is it really? My, it is. Chinese was yeah. my first, but, you know. Wait grew up a second. Outside of, I grew up outside I, of Seattle. And so, uh, I smell poop. Is it really Chinese or is it Mandarin? Like, come on now. Mandarin is a dialect, a version of Chinese, but. Oh, so you can actually say I speak Chinese. I always thought you don't. No one speaks Chinese; they speak Mandarin or something else. Yeah, Mandarin Chinese. It's pretty synonymous. Oh, okay. I had no idea. I'm learning as we go. So, boom! Look at that. What about you, Chris? What do you think? Am I right or wrong? It's just like Hindi. When you see an Indian person, someone says, "Do you speak Indian?" Like, well, technically, Indian's not a language. There's many dialects in India. Hindi being the predominant one. I speak American, just a bunch of gunshots and beer opening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Combined, we have decades of information security experience and here not just to educate, 
but to entertain. We've got four awesome stories for you this week, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Or weekly reminder, check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Podcast. The videos go up as soon as the podcast is published. So you wake up every Monday morning and you get both of those. The best part of waking up is a podcast in your cup. This week, we're going to talk about AI-generated images, our ransomware story of the week. For our third topic, Google pulls another stunt, and we'll close with Section 230 Talk. Quick note, OpenAI released their official iOS application, so you can download it from the Apple App Store and use ChatGPT that way. I've been playing with it, and I've so far never gotten the error message that they're too busy now. I think they've fixed that, finally. Is it worth using the actual app? Because I use the this is the mobile browser, and it just works fine. Yeah, either way, if you if you want it straight from the app, it syncs with your account, so it has all your question history there. Is it easier to copy text? I don't know. I haven't tried to copy it. I've just asked the questions. For our first topic, we're going to talk about a strange intersection of business news and information security. I don't know if you guys saw it this week, but somebody published an AI-generated photo deepfake of the Pentagon on fire, making it look like it would hit. It was hit by a terrorist attack. Fake images online is not new, but the problem came when verified accounts were retweeting and pushing the story, lending it legitimacy. The stock market instantly tanked, and the S&P 500 lost 30 points in a few minutes on the thought of an impending war that roughly translates to... 500 billion in market cap wiped out from a single hoax photo. It was pushed by, no surprise, Russian state media and a parody but blue checkmark Bloomberg news account. Dang, I didn't. I actually didn't hear about this, but maybe this is why uh, you know paying for your your verification isn't necessarily the greatest idea. I think it's that tiered checkmark. You could pay for the blue but the yellow one is like the quote official one which the russian state media had the the official yellow check mark so i didn't know there was a yellow check mark what what platform is this twitter or like facebook or instagram or all of them this is twitter twitter yeah okay okay so i know you can pay for instagram now i think it's like 15 bucks a month so is that is this everyone's is blue do you guys even know I think everything is like paid verification now. It's like a new thing, but don't know if it's the best thing. I don't know. Just give them access to your banking account. I, you know, I did. I didn't see that so that uh that AI generated image, but I did see one of Jesus taking a selfie at the Last Supper, which I thought was pretty incredible. <laughs> are, you, like are you sure has, that one was AI generated? It's not authentic. I, you know, I'm on the fence. I'm on the fence. I mean. You never know, right? Time travelers, whole nine yards. The scary so, ones the, are the the AI fake videos. Those are a lot harder to to decipher. So I think I I was duped a couple of times, mainly the Elon ones. And now that I know that it's possible, I I, I think I pick it off a lot easier. I'm like, wait a second, I don't I don't think. Plus that is like really outlandish stuff. They say, look at the hands, because I guess hands are really, really hard to replicate using AI, like the face, the body, but 
I've heard the hands are the hard part. There was there's another AI generated photo that was making its rounds. It was some it was a picture of a group of guys having a land party in the middle of a freeway. And then it it looks pretty real, but if you look at the hands, like some hands have like six fingers, some hands have four fingers, and some fingers are bent in ways that are not physically possible. So that was like the dead giveaway for that one. I wonder how many people got rich when the stock rebounded or something like that. I'm guaranteed. Like if we go behind the curtains, there's some people that were like doing whatever, right? And got real, real, real rich real quick. Probably an AI algorithm trader. They would have noticed they're the just drop. taking it. They're just taking it over. Yeah. This is similar to two stories last year. Once Twitter did offer the paid service to get that blue check mark. A parody account of Eli Lilly, the pharmaceutical company, tweeted that insulin would now be free. And there's also a parody account of Lockheed Martin that said it would stop selling weapons. So, again, it's one of those things (laughs) that tanked the stock price. You know, if you knew in advance, you could have made a lot of money, but it would have definitely opened up some kind of SEC investigation if you profited off that. Do you think that that Russia knew this was going to affect the stock market when they did this? Oh, yeah. I bet they did. That's yeah, that that's was their goal, spreading misinformation. Do you have the uh, the picture? Is it easy it's, to find? It's LinkedIn. So if you go to the show notes, there's the Twitter feed of John John Scott Railton Ralton from our good old friends at Citizen Lab, and he has a picture of it. And then he show he actually zooms in on the photo and says, "This is clear evidence. It's AI because like the fence meets another fence, and it like overlaps, and it's." Pretty, when you zoom in, you can you can tell it's AI generated. I don't know, man. Like I live out in the like the Mesa Gilbert area, and it's so funny. So we have like uh, baseline is literally the baseline for Arizona. It's like this road that just runs all the way through. It doesn't unwaver or change at all. But as you get further down, uh, there's there's uh, stuff like Signal, and that's I'm there like Elliot and Warner and Chandler Heights, like all these things. And as you're leaving Gilbert. It is like straight up, just like like it is dead ends. You can't go straight anymore when you when you intersect a, a road called Ellsworth. If you want to continue down like Ray Road, you have to make a right, go thirty feet, and then make your left hand turn. So <laughs> when you talk about these fences, I don't know. Maybe you know, maybe someone from the Mesa Gilbert area was planning over there at the Pentagon. Could be real. Made these fences, yeah. So Chris, are you saying it came from a yellow checkmarked account I, or it, blue? So somebody posted it, and then the yellow checkmarked account, which was uh, Russian state media, retweeted it and says, look, America's under attack, and then the fake Bloomberg account. That had a blue checkmark because someone paid the 8 bucks a month and, and said, yeah. oh, this, this just in, Pentagon under attack. People should know better from, if you ever follow sports on Twitter, right, or the NBA, right? I bring everything back to the NBA, right? Uh, you know, watch... He, he, he drops like a trade, right? And people put all those fake trades out there. So I've learned a lot better to not trust, to, to, to verify the usernames and to make sure that, you know, my favorite players aren't getting traded to to some random team for for nothing. I just, I just need Russia to do that for me, like some sort of weird thing. I just want people to high-five me to death. Not like I did something <laughs> nefarious, but just like some cool story, like, you know, man saves, you know, drowning elephant, performs CPR, like time check, travels i have no idea yeah. check out this lightboard video on browser isolation <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah well this is definitely going to be a problem with dolly and stable diffusion as ai gets better 
it's going to be harder to start telling the difference. And I, I think it's, that's one of those parallels where when, as the technology gets better, the detective controls have to get better as well. Just like chat GPT right now is a huge problem in academia because you can't tell if AI wrote this or a student wrote it. You need those tools that can tell the difference. Even in, when I was in high school, we had a, we had to turn in all of our papers online and it checked to make sure we didn't copy paste from like an encyclopedia. It was, uh, let's just say it wasn't the student's most favorite, uh, tool. <laughs> Damn. How young are you, Alan? I didn't even have the internet or even a computer back then when I was in school. Get out of here. Yeah. We're inviting children on the podcast. We can no longer say that we had decades of experience. Like we barely have decades. We got we twenty one <laughs> years of experience I born, here. I, I was born in the eighties. I'll let you know. I'll let you know that I was born in the eighties. Child of the eighties. What was that? Oh, Encarta. Did, did you guys remember that yeah. Microsoft Encarta? That was the the Microsoft. It came on a CD. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, that was before Wikipedia and before it was crowdsourced. But yeah, you just pop the CD in and you could look up like Alexander the Great or find some kind of article on that. Hey, can I just say this? You don't have to beep it up, but f where, the, where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Like, I could never win at that game. Like, that was just pure trash for me. I was, yeah. It was great that we had computers that could run that game. I remember walking in there in like second or third grade, but I'm just like, I can't find this damn anywhere. <laughs> I got to Where learn the. I got to learn the flags of the world that way because a lot of the hints involve flags, and I'd go grab the flag book and try to find out what country she was in that way. Oh, we had computers, but we didn't have books. That's how poor we were. <laughs> so, <laughs> just a trailer with three old Macintoshes and no air conditioning. It was great. No air conditioning in Arizona. Ooh. Yeah, it was. It was wild. Good times. I mean, it was probably about ten degrees cooler where I was that compared to here but still you know it's gonna okay. be 100 degrees 100 degrees in the summer instead of 111 degrees it's only 101 degrees brian mm -hmm. it's a low-grade favor you know it's true no one, no one goes to school in the summer true brian some, probably did. actually actually brian school. maybe maybe yeah. brian had to go to school he had to go to summer. summer school uh, I had to repeat the first grade. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> Speaking about casting aspersions. <laughs> for our second topic, it's been a while since we had a proper ransomware story of the week. This week, we have a pair of ransomware stories with the common theme. The Mollus Locker ransomware targets vulnerable Zimbra servers, but in a strange twist, they're asking for victims to make a charity donation to a charity they approve of instead of paying them a large ransom to get their data back and stop the leak of their data. This is related to a story about the Darkside Ransomware Group who donates $20,000 from each ransom payment to charity. Is this an attempt to shore up public relations for an industry that's already too far gone? Should these groups be considered hacktivists instead of ransomware operators? So we all know that charity is just the stripper name that he's giving this money to. Like, come on. <laughs> I used to give money to charity as well, if you know what I'm saying. By the way, what the heck is Zimbra server? I don't even know. I haven't even heard of that. Zimbra is an email server. So when these Zimbra servers get hacked, they steal the emails, they encrypt it or delete it, and then they threaten to release them. Who's still using email servers? 
Hosted. Hosted email. Yep. Oh, hosted. Sorry, yeah, I was well, saying who's. I was saying who's still using their own email servers. Yeah, hosted or on-prem, on-prem email. You know, I, I think it's one of those things where people just, I don't know, it's like they want to make their own bread, right? So they're over there with some sort of sourdough recipe that they've been gifted. And they just want to do it. Like, you go to the store and pick it up, but for whatever reason, they're just trying to keep that thing alive. So I mean, home they... bread, homemade sourdough I can get behind, but hosting or having still having your own on-prem email seems... Seems like a lot of work. Have, or just... have you have you ran your own email server, Alan? You don't know how great that is. Maybe it's like warm sourdough bread. What do we what do we eat with sourdough? I don't even know. Is that, it's not peanut clam butter. chowder. Is it a cream cheese? Clam chowder. Oof. There's two. There's a double negative right there. No, thank you. That's true. When I first started my first uh, IT job, we were using hosted Exchange already, so never never had to host my own. I would be hard to find anybody that's doing it now. Like it, the cost of a server alone versus just like, I guess we just, you know, throw it on G suite for free. Well, almost free. Five bucks like a month. Five yeah. Per user. Good. Yeah. Good. That SAS model. Not There's really no reason to have it unless it's for legacy reasons. Lotus notes. Maybe that's what that really is. God, I hated Lotus, Lotus notes. Yep. Yep. I remember that story we did. I can't remember what episode number it was a while ago, and it it was a it was another ransomware group. And instead of demanding a payment, they said like make a video of your employees handing out blankets to homeless people or feeding the needy, and then we'll give you the decryption key. I wonder what ever happened to them if they ever made it bigger. Did they fizzle out? They moved on I, to asking for donations to charity. To charity. Yeah. <laughs> this is just them <laughs> evolved. <laughs> Well, I think like all like what is it one like one third of America's homeless population lives in San Francisco, so, and then the ones that don't that are in Arizona, we just bust them to to California anyway. So a lot of, it'd be hard. Yeah, I just give yeah, it to charity. A lot of tech companies out here that can give give a lot to charity in the San Francisco area. I mean, I don't think uh, you can survive outside in Arizona. Dude, there are some homeless people here. We had like a little tent city going on in downtown Phoenix. Yeah. And then was it the Super Bowl? Yeah, the Super Bowl was coming, which was not in downtown Phoenix, but all the parties were there. And they just like, they straight out like bulldozed the place. Like they just showed up in big old uh, moving vans and stuff and just load them up. Like you guys got to go. It was wild. Then after the Super Bowl left, they're, they're back out there. I haven't been back down yet, but I, I would venture to guess we probably have some people. All I know is that drugs are crazy because I've seen some people in San Francisco sleeping in the most uncomfortable positions I've ever seen. And the only way that they're sleeping is they must be like on the borderline of overdosing because I, I can't see laying on a sidewalk in that particular position with like this craziness around you as being an option for, for a little R&R. It's that fentanyl. It's that super drug. Dude, I, so when I had my surgery, I had fentanyl, and uh, you know that you know that saying got ice in my veins. Yeah. Okay, I think that's what they're talking about. Because like when they they're like, oh, like because I was laying there for like an hour and a half, my back was hurting. I was like, hey guys, like I'm getting a little uncomfortable. I mean, you know, hurried this up a little bit, and they're like, oh, we'll give you some fentanyl for it. And then they put it in the IV, and I could just feel it like hit my vein and just go up my arm. And then by the time I got to my neck, boom, I was out. I was sitting like a baby. <laughs> 
You're, you're slipping on the sidewalk? In an uncomfortable position. I could have been sleeping on this. <laughs> I will say I did wake up to like chaos in the, uh, in the not the emergency room, the OR, operating OR, room, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, glad you survived and you're still with us, Brian. Otherwise, we had to find a permanent replacement host. I kind of wish I left. This whole working thing <laughs> sucks. Just kidding. For our third topic, this story has been making its rounds, just not just in the InfoSec community, but Google announced that starting this December, so December 2023, they will start purging Google accounts that have been inactive for more than two years. They claim this move is being done because accounts with two years of inactivity are 10 times more likely to have a weak password and have multi-factor authentication disabled. As a result, there's a disproportionate amount of abuse that comes from these inactive accounts, such as blasting out spam or sending out malicious Google Drive or Google Calendar links. The pessimist in me thinks that this comes on the heels of the report that Google is doing some major cost cutting, including layoffs, and doing things like not ordering office supplies like staplers and making people use their existing laptops for longer. I have to think these inactive accounts are just a few lines in a database somewhere. It can't be costing them that much to maintain. How do you even derive the difference between inactive? Because like, if they're saying inactive, like, are you sending emails? Well, obviously, it's sending emails that it's compromised. It's just like kind of an open... I want to say it's an open relay, but it's... like. How are they fingerprinting a good user versus a dormant one? No login attempts, but obviously if they're be, it's being used for bad it, stuff, it's being, yeah. Yeah, that is interesting determination on what is inactive. But I definitely, oh. you know, for testing purposes, have opened a lot of uh, dummy accounts with some simpler passwords to test some things. But, it, but sure. it's true, like you can't do MFA because... Got to have one for Ashley Madison. (laughs) As you throw away your burner account. (laughs) I usually, you know, use it for, uh, for work, but sure. Maybe, maybe the line in the sand is you never read your emails, but all you're doing is just constantly sending out emails. Right. And they're all have some sort of weird emoji assigned to it. By the way, I have a one of the. It has to be the cheapest friend I've ever seen in my entire life. That's not me. You know how? It's actually not you, which is a surprise. <laughs> but I'm sure you'll probably pick up on this. So you know how you can do like your your name plus whatever. Yeah. So he's or actually dots. taking the liberty of creating like let's say you can get a free pizuki, which is a pizza ice cream on it, like half baked cookie, at a restaurant on your birthday. And so he's actually created 365 accounts like on that destination. That way, if he wants to be able to visit that restaurant that day and get the free cookie, which is like $5 or whatever, he ha- he always has it in his repertoire. That See, is insane. There is, yeah, there's a similar story. Somebody did that for Starbucks and they registered 365 Starbucks accounts and had one for each birthday drink of the year. And then I think eventually they got caught. I can't remember if they criminally prosecuted him, but they definitely banned him for life from Starbucks. You know, that's weird. Why would you even try to criminally do anything? It's like... It's like fraud. Yeah, your coffee sucks anyways. Who cares? (laughs) You're making money. People do say... Like, I'm not a coffee fan, but people do say, like, at least he... Like, Starbucks sucks, but at least it's a consistent suck. You kind of know what you're getting 
no matter where you're at in the U.S. Are you guys coffee guys? So I want to I want I want to contest that. I've I've traveled a lot. I've drank in a lot of Starbucks, and my go-to drink at Starbucks has been different at every single Starbucks location. And not only that, even if I go to the same location, depending on the barista that day, it tastes different as well. Probably because you're like I want a double latte sprinkled shaken. Uh, with you know star fruit and sprinkles and whipped cream and two percent, but not three percent. I have no idea. Like you probably out order. What is your go to drink, Chris? Let, let's the, coffee black tall. <laughs> it's prove, a prove me. It's a a venti caramel macchiato, and then sometimes I get a three shot if I have the the bonus in the in the app. But even then, sometimes it's way too sweet. Sometimes it's not sweet enough. Sometimes the espresso is burned. Sometimes it's too light. It's I've never gotten to that. I I I think I can confidently say I've never gotten two that have been the same. I've ordered you know, thousands of these. Chris likes sweet and bitter. Yeah. Right. What do What do you think, Alan? It's usually pretty inconsistent, like the drinks uh, at Starbucks, like Chris said. But I always get a nitro cold brew, and that's kind of like on tap, so it's not like they're making anything. Nitro cold brew with some sweet cream. But I would say the one place that is consistent no matter where you go in the world is McDonald's. Oh. Like their their chicken nuggets, the same everywhere in the world. And and a story behind that is some Olympic athletes, like Usain Bolt, when he had to compete in China, he was worried about the local food messing up his digestive system and then making it hard for him to compete. So he ate McDonald's every day he was there and still won the gold medal. Well, if that's not a positive affirmation on, on McDonald's, I don't know what it is. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I thought Alan's going to say the Costco hot dog. Oh, that too. <laughs> Costco that glizzy. Too. That, is pretty, that is pretty consistent. Yeah. I did say that Starbucks is consistently oh. bad, but... Yeah, it's true. Yeah, so going back to the topic we were talking about, so Google counts in inactive account as an account that hasn't... There's like a number of things, because they, they basically said, in order to make your account marked as active, you have to watch a YouTube video, send or read an email, log into an Android device, the Android pulse check-in, heartbeat check-in, that, that counts as activity. So they're not targeting existing accounts that have already been compromised they're targeting accounts that can easily be compromised just trying to purge those and get rid of them i say go for it we don't need these people anyways i guess no mfa is a pretty common thing right with that being not like a real yeah no no mfa and weak password i would hope most yeah i mean my password should be uh hashed and salted and, and all those things, right? That Google shouldn't have to have no it's weak, yeah. right? In theory. Rainbow but, tables. We'll yeah. You also that. mentioned that Google is cutting back on office supplies. I can't even like staplers. I can't even think of the last time I used a stapler for work. I can. It was on my fortieth birthday. We we put it in jello because we were doing an office themed birthday party. <laughs> <laughs> turns go. out they had a lot more gelatin on the TV show because by the time you turned it upside down and had it in there, like it just kind of all fell apart. It didn't have the stability, so we had to redo it a couple times for structural continuity. Good to know. Pro tip if you're trying to, to prank somebody. 
but Google did warn. They said they're going to send you multiple emails, your main account and your recovery account before they eventually purge you out. So this actually might be a good time if you've been having your eye on a certain Gmail account that's been taken. Now might be the time that you can see if you can brute force register it once it once Chris Louie at gmail.com. I'm going to get it. But this is a good reminder for me because I have a four-year-old. And when she was born, I created her a Gmail account just so that she would have one. I'd probably have to log into it and add MFA or something before it gets deleted. Just log into it. I have to just yeah, send yourself an email or something, and that should, that should be fine. Do you, do you have that account so you can like send her emails of all the cute things she's done over the years? That way she can read it when she turns 18 or when she gets married. What's the purpose behind it? Uh, I created it so that when like we fly, she has like a frequent flyer account, right? So she can accrue miles. And then when she's old, like or like older, like 16, 17, right? I can be like, look at all these miles you accrued. You can go somewhere fun or something. But that, thinking of that, I should just randomly email her. Like, you you hit me in the face today. You were four. <laughs> Dear idiot, you pissed me off again. Like that. Just kidding. I don't want to say Brian that. Sends his kids. <laughs> yeah, we did that for our we did that for our daughter and I, I think we used to send her random stuff, but I don't think we've done it in a while, so it's probably a good reminder to keep using that one. Can I send her an email? Uncle Brian has got some stories about your your old pops. <laughs> Sit down, grab a venti caramel macchiato with triple shot, and let's have a good time. You remembered my drink, Brian. Now you know what to order next time we go out. Did you forget the starfruit? The starfruit, too. (laughs) Yeah. That comes later. For our last topic, and it'll be a rotating topic every week, this week we're going to revisit a story we talked about a few weeks ago when we were discussing the Twitter files. So I hope the audience find this interesting. I find it super interesting. The U.S. Supreme Court, we finally got the ruling. So they have ruled on the validity of Section 230 of the Telecommunications Act. And as predicted, the U.S. Supreme Court justices sided with Google and Twitter in saying they are not liable for ISIS extremist content that was published on their platforms. Section 230 specifically carves out protections for carriers of information, and they cannot be held liable for the content they transmit. The way it was originally intended was if I'm AT&T or some random phone company and somebody calls in a bomb threat using my phone line, I am not responsible for that call. You go off the person that, that made the call. The analogy used was that these telecom companies and now these social media companies, you could think of them like the paper that newspaper is printed on. If someone prints something false on that paper, you don't sue the paper company. The lawsuit came about when two families with relatives who were killed in ISIS-inspired terrorist attacks alleged Google's YouTube and Twitter allowed extremist content to be published on their platforms, which radicalized the terrorists who eventually killed their loved ones. The Supreme Court ruled that Google and Twitter are not liable. I think that makes sense, right? You wouldn't blame the ISPs for what people are doing on the internet. Well, I think it's uh, logic. Yeah. Well, part of me thinks like, like, why wouldn't they want to hold them liable for it and stop these things? But it's probably exponentially easier to crawl Facebook 
and Twitter to look for extremist posts than, than it is to, <clears throat> excuse me, than it is to block Twitter and Facebook from having these extreme, uh, you know, uh, views from like ISIS and whatnot and have them go down a path like on Minecraft or Sony PlayStation, like something like a different platform that's way harder for them to control and look at is kind of like, I think the angle that they're coming from. I'm sure that they probably bundled it in there. It was just like, oh yeah, PS, we get a backdoor into everything. Love the U.S. government. The NSA. Yeah. I think it's a fine line though, because there's definitely some content moderation, right, that those platforms do on their own. Yeah, there's 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 definitely trust and safety for each each of the platforms. Some do a better job of it than others, and. I don't know if this was one of the angles that the, pros- the the prosecution side, the plaintiff side, was going after, is that, like, if I'm AT&T and I carry a phone call, like, I technically at the time of the call, I don't know if it's a, if it's a terrorist calling in a, a bomb threat or if it's somebody calling their mother to say hi. Like, you just can't tell. You just transmit that data. But social media companies, technically, they're not pure carriers in in the sense of the word because they do they have an algorithm and that algorithm shows you content that they know will get your eyeballs will know that they'll get you to stay on the app longer brian gave the example of of tiktok tiktok's algorithm is explicitly made to suck you into the app and keep you on the app you know five hours a day ten hours a day so they are curating the content so are they a transport medium at that point or are they a publisher because if they're a publisher like the new york times or the washington post they all of a sudden become liable if they're publishing content and choosing what to show and what not to show but if they are just a transport like an isp then that's where section 230 kicks in so if they want to be able to do this and say zero content moderation then it should just be zero content moderation that's the that's the biggest problem i have with this I mean, if you're going to allow ISIS to do their thing, then you should allow everyone to do their own thing on here and let me figure out what's fact from fiction or good or bad. But and I definitely... definitively, they don't do that. They they curate the data as they see fit. My my feed is completely different from probably Alan's. And, well, I don't know. I think we might all kind of align a little bit uh, similar in some things. But if I take like my uncle, right, who's the polar opposite of me, like, you know, we can Google something we want and the results are vastly different yeah yeah i think it's interesting that you know phone carriers they don't have any of that moderation right they 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 just allow it to go through because i just like to say if they did moderate or you know do checks before the the data was sent uh, a lot of the collect calls i made home to come pick me up wouldn't have gone through as a kid. <laughs> so like, so we, we're old enough to know that you're born in the 80s, but you weren't born at a time, or you were born at a time when collect calls were still a thing. So you're, you're tipping your hand a little bit there. That's right. Did I ever tell the story about working at MCI and like selling the whole like Calling interstate? Cards? No, interstate versus interstate type of long distance calling. And one of the things we found out is that you could, so you could, like you have like a dialer, right? And it automatically calls people, but sometimes it's to call people back. And so then we had an idea, like you get paid like per line and that, that comes through. 
And so if you're lucky, right, somebody has two phone lines, you do that and like, boom, man, like, you know, like it didn't take much to make a lot of money at this job. So then we found out, it's like, well, where's, where's a place that has a lot of phones? Oh yeah. The airport, they just have like a whole row of them. How about we get all those phone numbers, have someone go over there working or not working, answer the phone. So when we call them like, yeah, I want to sign up for long distance, (laughs) like boom. And then give me like these other 70 numbers. Right. And then they sit there for the next couple hours verifying that it's going on. They had no idea that it was a whatever line through or a payphone through the, uh, through the airport, through the airport or through the third party. Yeah. It was, it was totally sketchy. Right. But you know, maybe, maybe I'm the reason what, you know, the demise of MCI, I have no idea. I remember the calling cards they used to have, right. To make either long distance or out of country, you had to have a calling card or if you had a cell phone back then, you tell your friends to uh, call me after 7 p.m. because I don't have enough minutes. Yeah, the off-peak hours. Chris was on the. Yeah, Chris had friends and family. He was like a. An evil, it wasn't T-Mobile. What was what was it before T-Mobile? Voice Stream? Is that who it was? A sprint. So Sprint. Sprint. Oh, you're a Sprint. Yeah, I was. T- sprint. I was Voice Stream. Yeah. Man, look at Alan. He's like, I don't even know what a, like what that means. What's a pager? <laughs> I know what a pager is. Oh, okay. They still use them at hospitals. Ah. It's like some, the pager network is more reliable than uh, internet. The, so yeah, for, the Wi-Fi and the cell network. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even know that was still a thing, but yeah, I guess apparently in the medical field, they still need those. One time I was on call for a job and I had, we actually had pagers. Like, cell phones were out, but we just had pagers because they were just cheap. And uh, I went upstairs, went to bed, and I completely forgot that the to bring the pager up with me, so... I missed a page and like my boss's boss had to get on the phone and all that good stuff and came in Monday and he's like, he's like, what happened? I was like, ah, oh, you know, I just, li- I kind of live out in the sticks. I was just, lying. He's like, I-, I didn't hear it go off or something like that. It must be shady service. He's like, well, here's your options. You can one sleep at the data center when you're on call or two, you can quit. What do you want to do? I'm like, all right, I got it. I'm not going to miss a page ever again, man. <laughs> that was a, they taught you a lesson. I learned real quick. And any time a pager would go off, my heart would always skip a beat. That was always the the Pavlovian response now. They've conditioned you. And then the same thing with, uh, I forget, what's the the voice, or I'm sorry, the ringtone on the iPhone. It's like, that one. I hear that anywhere, that that alarm. I just want to trap my transmission and run. I (laughs) hated that. Stockholm Syndrome. I loved it. Well, we continue to get great comments about our dad joke of the week. Dad joke of the week. No, this we week, no, we our guest, like Alan's up. All right. So as a child, I was forced to walk the plank. We couldn't afford a dog. <laughs> walk the plank. <laughs> As opposed to walk the dock or the dog? I'll walk the dog. Because we can't okay. afford a dog. So you gotcha. Well, no, it was a, a piece of wood around like the neighborhood. So I couldn't hear everything. All right. All right. So just walk the plank. On a, did you, did you, did you use a, a, a leash? Or you can't afford that either. <laughs> nope. Just, just drag that piece of wood. I'm going to buy you a plank next time I see you. It's a plank of I wood. Mean, uh, I mean, America's. Uh, Home improvement obsession has gone down, so that piece of wood is probably a lot cheaper than it used to be. 
Yeah, people yeah. are going back to vacations again. Lumber deflation. All right, to wrap things up, don't believe everything you see online. Ransomware groups are giving money to charity. Google is purging old accounts. And social media companies enjoy immunity for now. That's all I have for this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find us on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. Follow us on Instagram at Pepcac Podcast. Thank you to all our listeners and subscribers who raised five stars to the iTunes store and Spotify and left us a review. We appreciate you all spreading the word to help grow the show. The best way to find us is to search for the Pepcac Podcast on your favorite podcast listening app. For my co-host Brian Deach and our guest Alan Lee, I'm Chris Louie. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next weekend. As always, have a nice day. Alan, you totally look like the, the dad from Fresh Off the Boat. And that's 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 meant as a compliment. I think that dude is probably... Randall Park. He's probably perceived as a very handsome person, so good for you, man. You mean Asian Jim from The Office? We've seen that. Yeah, a- Asian Jim from The Office. Asian of course Jim. I did, Jim. man. <laughs> should I... Kim Jong-un. Should I stop? I'm not stuck. <laughs>